Coming up, Nerdcaster is joined by SourcePoint Press author Jason Douglas to talk about his new graphic novel, Parallel. All that and more, next. Hey, welcome to Nerdcaster. I'm back. This is Joe. And with me, Justin has uh, gotten his Skype working. His webcam is Kid. still broke. Yeah. You know. And this week we have a very special guest, um, somebody I've been trying to have on the show for over a month now, but things get in the way and things have been crazy. Uh, from SourcePoint Press, uh, coming out with your new graphic novel, Parallel, we have Jason Douglas. How are you, man? I'm doing well. Thank you very much for having me on, gentlemen. It's great to be here. Thanks. So awesome. before we get started, um, is the graphic novel out yet? Yeah. In fact, um, you know, because we're all in the situation we're in right now, things actually got moved up a little bit. So oh. the original release date was going to be April 29th, you know, the new comic book day right before free comic book day. Everything got shuffled around. Books came in the country uh, and SourcePoint has shipped out their copies and shops that order directly from SourcePoint have got their copies and they ship theirs out. So we're actually a little bit ahead of schedule. But, yeah, it's out in the world now and you can still. Um, so if you've already ordered one, it's probably in your mailbox right now or you got it a couple of days ago. And if you still want one, um, actually, SourcePoint is running a 30 percent off sale. Uh, on the entire website right now. And you can head over to www.sourcepointpress.com and actually get a copy of Parallel for 30% off. And um, I'm going to plug this right up front because more important to me right now today than even my own book is the fact that SourcePoint being one of the larger of the tiny publishers out there right now and kind of on the up and up is doing this amazing, incredible thing right now on their website, which is this uh, retailer relief program. And so not only if you go into the store, order Parallel, order some of the other new April releases and get your 30% off at checkout, there is a feature where you can pick your favorite local comic shop. The one that is closed right now, the one that you have been loyal to and has been loyal to you for a long time and is struggling right now. And you pick their name and 25 percent of your order money wise goes directly to that shop. That's really awesome. So SourcePoint is like looking out. I mean, not only are they the most incredible um, small press family out there right now, uh, they're actually looking out for everybody and making sure that indie comics in conjunction with local shops like keep thriving even though it's a really difficult time to be doing that right now yeah that's that's amazing i mean i know we we go to a a local comic shop that's currently closed it's a mom and pop shop so that's that's really awesome um but what about your book like let's let's get into it. let's let's uh sure talk about how you came up with the idea for parallel and what it's all about or what you can can tell us absolutely so so parallel is uh it's a 64 page one shot uh graphic novel um it's uh it's sci-fi parallel worlds right i mean it, it's definitely your it's got your classic sci-fi twist to it but what it really is is like a very relatable um quarter life crisis story now i'm a little older than that <laughs> uh but uh, it's this thing where uh, it almost doesn't matter what age you are. I mean, if you're 18 plus, there is a uh, existential crisis going on with our main character, our main character, Landon, that you're going to be able to relate to. It's, it's really this book that's about um, questioning the choices that you make at a certain age, right? We all make these choices. A lot of us make these choices, um, you know, in that early adulthood where you make a choice for comfort, make a choice for ease. And because you are in this stage of your life where you believe the future is close to infinite, there's always time to pursue your dreams later. And then you wake up like our character Landon does close to a decade later. And time has just happened and life has just moved on. And suddenly you're pushing 30 in his case. And 
you know, in his case, his dreams of music are just so far in the past and he's in this rut and it just devastates him psychologically. And then when the sci-fi twist comes in and makes it a lot of fun and, and pretty dark is Landon's got a parallel version of him who shows up in his head and in person and the parallel version of Landon is offering him that second chance that a lot of us really want this chance that, Hey, you know what? There's this other place where you made different decisions and you can go there right now and live it. If only you just, and the twist and the kind of, kind of the, the dark twist really in my story is that what price are you willing to pay for that second chance? Because other land and other you is offering this, this beautiful kind of seductive thing, but you know what? It might just not be in your best interests up here and even in the physical world. And you're going to have to pay a, co- a, a price for that. Yeah. And Landon is a musician. That's something that resonates with me. I mean, I don't know if it's in the close enough, but it, behind me, I do play bass. So, I mean, yeah. right off the bat, I, uh, was music something you do? And is that why you incorporated or? So music was music is always a love of mine. Um, and, you know, I play a little guitar. I've taught some lessons. I was never good enough or confident enough to to pursue it beyond that. Um but it, but it's all it's like you know especially when I was younger it was my life was that pop culture kind of um, trifecta of uh, music movies and and print media like all coming together so like it's never very far from my mind um, in my adulthood and having children of my own there's absolutely zero time for any of that kind of fun anymore but if I did have that time uh, it you know it, 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 it seemed very natural that that would have been his thing that he wanted, he was living, and then he set aside and now is desperate to find a way to get back to. Yeah. I mean, I've read it. I thought this was amazing. I was hoping there's going to be more of these. Um, (laughs) So, uh, I mean, it's, I tell you what, so I've been getting some feedback, right? Because it uh-huh. is in people's hands right now and has been for a couple of days as of this recording. And the feedback, and I think that the thing that I'm being, I'm, I'm, I'm most flattered by is not people who like it, but people who immediately go, oh, I got to read it again. Yeah. Uh, because once you get to the ending, there's a certain, without giving anything away, there's a certain amount of ambiguity. And there's an ambiguity throughout yeah. Part of that is what I wrote, and part of that is is my artist Adam Ferris, who is a genius and added so much to the book. But like even that last panel, again, not spoiling yeah. anything. I want people to go buy it and read it, but you get to that last panel and you as a reader have got a choice to make. And if you're not hundred percent positive about how <laughs> you think this turns out for Landon, um go back and read it again. So while there's probably not going to be a second parallel book, there's definitely rereading opportunities for this. And I, cause that's something I've always enjoyed in, in literature and comics myself. Like I enjoy, um, a superhero punch up point A to point B story as much as the next person. But, you know, you don't necessarily have much of a desire to uh, reread that. And I think some of that's by design, right? Cause you need to get to the next month. They want you to buy the next month and get to the next story, not necessarily dwell on that one because there's more stuff yeah. to make next month. And some of my favorite comics of all time are the ones that, that have an ending that are finite and and because they know that they are, um, it allows the writer and the artist to create something that you do want to revisit. And I really kind of tried for that here. Yeah. Um, okay. I, I totally agree. I'm a bigger fan of the, the trade paperbacks and the, and the graphic novels with a complete story. So that's one of the things I love about Parallel. But like you said, when you get to that last panel, I don't know. There's something that still makes you want more. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad so. to hear that. <laughs> so, uh, but go ahead, Justin. Uh, actually, so a little bit of a you know segue when you mentioned the artist uh, that you chose. Uh, what made you kind of want to go with one particular artist over the other? Well, that actually wasn't. Or did you have I choices? Got, <laughs> I got lucky. So, so the, the way that Parallel came to Source Point was I had uh, I had written the first half. 
So there's a, a scene in the there's this kind of pivotal scene in right in the middle of the book, literally halfway through 32 pages in um, that 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 was the point I had written up to. And in my head, I kind of, you know, being a longtime comic fan, but, but a first time comic writer, I was like, oh, well, that's issue one. Maybe it's a, an oversized issue or whatever. And now it's time to start putting feelers out there and shopping around. Like, how do you get this out into the world? And I was actually, um, you know, I had written it. I had gone through that process. Uh, I'd spent, I'd spent a summer on it. Um, I'm, I'm a day job as a teacher. So, I mean, that, those were my couple of months where I, where I put it together and, you know, went through the trials and tribulations of how do you even write a comic script? Right. Like, I, like I'm probably like you, I, 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 I have seen the back matter in some trades and like there's sometimes an example script or whatever, but like yeah. uh, my previous writing experience comes from, from plays. Like I, I've okay. published a couple of plays and I've written plays for elementary school students and middle school students. And it's like this completely different animal. Right. So my love is comics, but how do you write one? You know, it's, it's so different. So I spent the summer doing that and I've got this, this thing, right. This thing exists. And I kind of got frustrated and discouraged because, you know, I looked online and it was pretty daunting because, you know, most uh, companies and submissions are either they don't want your unsolicited submission or uh, they don't actually want your script. They want art, maybe a pitch. And I, I wasn't finding I wasn't even finding the toehold. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So to a dream, you know, apropos of thematically in the book. Right. I wasn't I was discouraged, but I wasn't ready to give up. And I actually. And uh, Travis McIntyre, who is the the president and co-founder and editor-in-chief of SourcePoint, uh, laughed so hard at me when I approached him because I took it to Motor City Comic Con a handful of years ago now. And I walked up to him, again, like completely ignorant. Like, I didn't know that this is maybe not something you do. I didn't know the proper procedure. And I literally handed this guy uh, a, a, a script and a pitch in a file folder from my classroom, right? Literally had color paper clips from a classroom. I mean, and he like looked at me, he was like, are you pitching me something in 1971? Like, what is this? This is the 21st <laughs> century. And I like, I hand him like, I, I don't know. And then he's like, you know, like I like the cut of your jib kind of thing. Like whatever this is you're doing today, it's working on whatever level. And then he took it home that night, um, like day one or two of the con and read it. And then we were off and running, but it started from there. I mean, I was such a newbie that uh, he was he was brilliant in the fact that he said, you know what, I really like this. I want to go forward with it. There's something here. Can you turn it into uh, he was the one who said, can you turn it into a one shot? Can you give me 32 more pages? And in my brain, I was like, it's issues. And then but out loud, I said, absolutely, I can do that. That's exactly <laughs> what it should be. And um, and then he found Adam Ferris. Adam was somebody who was an up and comer himself, somebody who was looking for a project to do with source point and was in the middle of a big, massive project himself called the good fight, which is out there right now, which is this, uh, compilation that is kind of making waves in the industry. It's a great fundraiser book with a lot of big names attached. And he's kind of the art director of that and, and, uh, drew a story and he put me together with Adam. So like, it was like this brilliant kind of coming together because I tell you what, I tell you what my favorite part of getting hooked up with Adam was, um, I got to do that thing. Like with you've been a long time comic fan, like, you know, all the tropes, you know, all the stories you've heard all the yep. things. Like when, when authors talk and artists talk, one of the things they always say is at least writers, one of their favorite things to do is to get to write for an artist. And so like the first half I was writing for an audience of one me. And then once I got to see, you know, Adam had the first half of the script in his hands and he starts sending me the character sketches, a couple of sample pages and stuff like that. And I could see what he could do. And I got to write the second half, which gets a lot darker than the first <laughs> half. As you guys know, I got to yeah. write knowing that he was going to be able to hit it out of the park. And then the best thing in the world happens is not only do I get to write for a great artist, he then does that beautiful thing where the artist, um, you know you've written the words and yet they've made them better and you're just like I, I know i wrote that scene but oh my god is it so much better than i wrote it now because this guy is so ridiculously talented and that was like one of the great joys uh, of the entire process is, is seeing what he brought to it and added to it you know what i mean 
<laughs> yeah, that's that's good because as I was reading it, it you know, seeing the artistry, you know, that's what made me think of it is that it did bring your words to life more. And that that right there, I was like, all right, that's that's awesome. That's that's different than most of the comics you see, uh, Mm -hmm. which is a nice feeling. Like, listen, I I love my Batman's. I love DC. I love Marvel, Dark Horse, very like all of them. Um, But yeah, it's it's nice to see some uh, some different content out there. Cool. I was happy with it. I was very happy with it. So there is one thing that I did, and this is just from reading it, something that um, maybe not intrigued, but I found very uh, interesting was your use of geometry in the book or or a little bit of it, um, line segments and stuff like that, and the way it, um, again, without giving much away, how it is incorporated in the story. Um, And you said your day job was a teacher and you wrote plays, making me think you're an English teacher, or do you just um, teach all subjects to a younger uh, younger crowd. So I teased it and then you grabbed it. You know exactly where this answer is going. Um, I mean, from a, from a writer perspective, it's a framing device, right? I thought it worked really well. And I thought it was kind of clever to, 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 to do that, to that be your entry point, right? Um, that fourth grade geometry, that, that level of numbers and shapes that every single one of us still can access. It's before like, Oh, this is too hard. And I don't remember yeah. how to do any of that. It, it was the stuff that we all remember, but yes. So, um, while I do teach uh, uh, middle school English right now, I was a fourth grade teacher for a long time and you do teach all subjects. So like that, that stuff is, was literally like those concepts um, for more than a decade. I taught 10 year olds that stuff. So it was like, it was, you know, it's, it's never going away from up here. And it's like, Oh yes, I know that. And that'll work. And it's, um, it's a nice metaphor for kind of what's going on in his life and the, mm-hmm. the clashing of those two worlds and, and, and your, your wants and desires. And I, and I thought it lined up pretty well. So yeah, that, that definitely no directly yeah. came from that. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Uh, my wife's a middle school teacher. So, Oh, cool. I have that language arts. So yeah, she's an English yeah, teacher. Me too. Fantastic. So with the, um, with the book, you said like the first 32 pages took you over a summer to do or, or whatnot. So did the last 32 take you longer to do since, I mean, you already had the, an idea for the first 32 pages or. No, in fact, it, it went a lot faster. I did that one over spring break. I mean, it took me a little longer than that. It took me about a month, but like it, 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 it was like when it became real, do you know what I mean? Like, like, like those first 32 pages, it was, it existed, but it existed on my computer and in my head solely. Right. It still wasn't something that I, uh, that, that felt real and tangible in the world. Uh, when I wrote that second half, I mean, source point was on board. Um, uh, I had an editor, I had an artist and I was super excited to like dive into that. I mean, I had ideas about where it was going and I knew what the story was, but like those scenes came, they came pretty fast and furious. Um, I think, especially with the first comic, something that, that, you know, inside baseball kind of, you know, talking about it, something that takes a long time is, um, and something I spent a ton of time is, is, is like page layout and pacing. Um, because it's, like I said, it's a different animal. It's a lot different than a stage play. It's a lot different than prose and, and, you know, having a scene fit on a page or, I mean, you have to be aware of all times about cause size of panels, uh, translates to pacing. Right. And that's not something you have to worry about in different kinds of writing. Um, the fact that there's a page turn and what is facing uh, on a page or what's, what's on the turn can determine how you feel about the action or the dialogue or the lack of going on on the thing on the page. And you've got to be aware of that at all times. And I have these 64 pages and I'm like, well, I want to say this. So does that need to be longer? Does that need to be shorter? So I like I mean, it was just fascinating to me that even when you know like what your character is going to say, even though when you know what's going to happen, um, there's also like, I don't know, a dozen, two dozen different factors you're, you're calculating in your head at all times. Every time you type a line. Okay. That's wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot. And then like, you know what? I gotta tell you, let me tell you this. It's like, had I known 
just this blissful ignorance, especially at the beginning, like each step of the process, like on one hand, it's been amazing because, because I, because I started as a fan, right. As a child, um, being on the other side of this process, the whole way through has been amazing because every single time, every single time from, from typing the first line to, to that pitch to Travis at the show to getting the artist to getting the first page back to getting my first notes from an editor to seeing Justin Birch the amazing letter like he literally let me in on a Skype call and I got to watch him letter a couple of pages oh, wow. until he basically <laughs> kicked me out because I was like oh why are you doing that why are you doing that oh that's really cool t- t- teach me how to do that and he was like all right enough go away um, <laughs> but like every single time I got to do something like that it was for the first time mm-hmm. and it was from as much of a fan's perspective as it was as, you know, one of the fellow creators. Um, The other thing about that is like, it's, it's amazing to see that, but you don't know what it is until you do it the first time. So like, had I known the intricacies of it, the complications of it, like how really hard it is from idea to publication, that might have scared me off, you know, because like, I mean, you've heard that cliche about like, 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 like the first step is the hardest. Yeah. Right. If I had known everything that went into this, you know, the, the multi-year <laughs> process, yeah. there's a really good chance that I don't take that risk on day one. But that ignorance, the, the, the that blissful, uh, naive spot that I was in where I was like, oh, yeah, the next thing I'm going to do is write a comic you know, bl- blissfully unaware that it was going to take as long as it did and be as complicated as it was. I don't know that I would have done it. And I'm so glad that I didn't know because now I did. And, and here, here we are, you know, yeah. I find listening to your, to your stories about like the process it's taken to write this uh, very fascinating. And you just said that it took a few years from the time you went oh, in and, and you pitched this to being now in a box um, shipped out to comic book stores. That's how long it took. That's crazy to me. Like, well, well, I don't know. I mean, that's another thing that I don't want to say it caught me off guard, but like, I didn't know. (laughs) And and that's again, as a long time fan, um, especially if you like reading something monthly, right? (laughs) I don't, I mean, comics, I know comics came from as a, you know, as a historical medium, they were disposable. That's why golden age books cost so much because there's so few of them left, right? Supply and demand, something else I taught fourth graders long ago. (laughs) Um, It's like, it was disposable media. And and sometimes we still think of it that way. Um, And if you're not like a collector collector, it's just like, of course you move on to the next one, the next month. And, And, you know, it might take you, a half an hour. It might take you 20 minutes, depending on how, how dense the dialogue is to read an issue. And then it's out of your mind a lot of times. And yet behind every single one of those, the good ones, the bad ones, the ones you love, the ones you thought were garbage, you know, um, there's a lot of work and a lot of time. And especially, and I got to stress this, guys, especially indie comics, right? Yeah. Indie comics, there aren't, there isn't a gigantic corporate machine behind you, right? There's not this well-oiled machine that's been going for 80 years. These are, these are the mom and pop shop versions of making comics out there. It's, it's, it's literally a family. Source point is a family. Like everybody, I, I can't even stress to you how many people were like came into the process this point, that point, and were supportive and uh, just genius level keeping me off the edge or helping with this thing. I mean, Casey Pierce, uh, my mentor and my friend who, um, is an amazing author and one of uh, source points bestsellers, you know, Nora, um, she wrote the forward for me, this mind blowing forward because not because like she owed me a favor. She did it because <laughs> somebody helped her when she first started and she's like, yep, I got your back, buddy. And I'm going to write this mind blowing thing, this mind blowing forward that in my opinion is worth the price of the book. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just, it's so incredible. And it's just like, that's the kind of people that source point employs and the kind of creators they get out there. Like everybody's helping each other and it, it, it's a longer process, but it's, there's so much love and hard work behind every single book that like indie um, companies put out that like, it, it's kind of amazing and mind blowing. Mm-hmm. That's that's awesome because a, a lot of companies, you know, 
you just become a number just like if you're in a giant classroom with a, you know one single professor uh you know you are just a number at that point um and that's great that you guys are just this close-knit family that get to bounce ideas over each other and share your experiences and you don't get to see that that often so that's that's great i think that's perfect <laughs> So I just actually want to get back to the the story a little bit for the characters, because one of my favorite things um, in any comic series, I guess, is why Dick Grayson is one of my favorite all time um, heroes, seeing him become Robin to to eventually leaving Batman and becoming Nightwing. Um, Did you base any of these characters on yourself or anybody, you know, or how did you come up with some of these characters? So um, because because you're you're really the first interview that I've done. Since the book came out, mm. I have this this slightly different answer for this because, <laughs> you know, you get it's funny because like the, you know, friends and family have the book and <laughs> the people who know you best, right? The people who know you uh, not because of the book, but they they've known you for a year or a decade. Okay. And I've been getting a few phone calls and a few texts going, whoa, are you? Are you, are, are you, you know, are you okay? Uh, uh, is everything all right? Um, so it's fiction, right? It's fiction, right? You know, that kind of thing. So, okay. Let's start with, let's start with the easy one. Then we'll get into the hard one. So the easy one is, uh, there's a few characters in here that, um, inspired by other people, but definitely backed up by research for people I know. So when you look at the doctor from the beginning, that's helping Landon after his first um, very traumatic physical accident. Mm -hmm. Uh, When you look at the psychologist who the psychiatrist who helps him uh, after he's out of the hospital, if you look at the detective in the story, these three very, you know, real uh, professionals uh, jobs in the world, all three of those are inspired by and um, a lot of deep research into people I know, uh, an FBI agent I know, uh, a doctor who happens to be a cousin of mine, and a psychiatrist that was a friend of the family. And so, like, I'll, you know, I did a lot of research with that. Like, every single medical line you hear there, like every medication that gets mentioned, um, the, those paramedics in the ambulance at the beginning when, when Landon's being rushed to the hospital, um, the, the things that are talked about on the couch in the office, like all of that is comes from real life professionals in the real world that I know. And, and I kind of vetted all that stuff with, so the, there are people in there that are inspired by them and definitely researched by them. Landon himself, he's not me. And yet he is me. He's a lot of us, I think. I don't, I don't, yeah, I think it would be, it would be, it would be egotistical to say that he's me because that idea of, of, oh my God, time is passing and I haven't accomplished the thing yet. That's most of us. Yeah. I mean, it's very relatable. Definitely. So, I mean. There's there's things that, you know, being over 30 myself, haven't yet accomplished that wish I have. <laughs> I, mean, so, I mean, again, forgive the pun. I mean, there's obviously a nice little parallel if you look at the fact that I waited so long personally to write my first comic, even though I've been a fan and dreamed about it for decades. Right. I mean, there's there's something there. Um, but like, I, you know, I. <laughs> I'm at that age now where every day I wake up and I go, good God, where is the time gone? Um, and what, you know, it was just a blink of an eye ago where time was forever. And I had all the time in the world to accomplish a, B and C. Right. And I think a lot of us feel that way, whether we're 28, 29, like Landon or, uh, you know, uh, dancing around the edges or deep into middle age, like <clears throat> me. So, <laughs> but you have that, perfect mentality for this like you had the flaw and you're like why can't i do this and then you went ahead and did it and that's like one of my favorite people in the world being kevin smith you know same type of dude that same mentality that's just like why can't you just go do that thing well why can't you start that podcast why can't you write this why can't you pitch this there's no reason why you can't and you having that equal mentality is just awesome and it's good to see in other people uh, the fact that you literally handed like your script 
to some guy to just be like, yeah. hey, read this. Uh, that's the equivalent of like if I went to go get a job tomorrow or a different job and I handed them my resume. They would be looking at me like, what the hell is wrong with you? That's not how this works. Well, not anymore, that, anyway. Even that one moment, even that one moment at Motor City Comic Con a few years ago was just, there's such randomness to it because I didn't know, I didn't know Travis from the person sitting next to him. He just had the best beard. And so like he had, he had the biggest, reddest beard and the goofiest look on his face. So he's the dude I walked up to. And that's the editor in chief. Do you know what I mean? It's just, it was just, there's actually, there's actually kind of a second there's, Oh my God, I'm going to use the pun again or the wordplay again. There's a parallel uh, inspiration for the story too. Yes. There's the existential dread that I feel and most of us feel, but it's actually former students that, put the idea in my head um i'm old enough where a lot of those kids from a long time ago are literally the age right now that landon is in the story and enough of them were like still in contact with me where i would get that random text or that email saying like hey yeah uh, I'm at this point in my life or even ones that are a little bit younger saying, so I think I'm going to take this job instead of going to Chicago to dance. Do you know what I mean? I think I'm going to take this job because I can save some money and then maybe I can go to Chicago next year. And I, and I heard that enough times. And then even ones a few years older who was saying like, what happened to Chicago? What happened to my dreams of, of dance or music or whatever? Where I was like, Oh my God, that's, there you go. Um, so, so like they are definitely, when I started hearing that and internalizing those stories directly from them, that's what locked it in. That's what gave me the impetus to take the next step, um, and say, you know what, that there is something here. This isn't just my, my dread and my thing that I've been dealing with for a long time now, or I would have started this earlier. Right. Um, it was their stories that were the inspiration. I said, you know what? There is a story here and there is something I want to do. Um, if not for me, then for them. All right. What there is, uh, what is uh, to wrap up like uh, on parallel and stuff? What is the one thing you want to let everybody know about it? You know, I, I want, I want people to know that this is a story that I think is pretty close to universal as far as you're going to find something to relate to. Even, even if sci-fi isn't your thing, like the idea of, of, of a parallel world and another you that is tempting you into making some pretty poor decisions. Um, uh, that kind of interesting, dark, um, um, you know, I mean, there's, there's a lot of, uh, mental health issues being brought up in this book, right? Uh, there's half the book Landon thinks he's crazy. Half the book, he thinks it's real. The whole book, everybody else thinks he's crazy. I mean, I think a lot of us have been there with that too. Um, I think it, it it's relatable enough that I would like people to read it. I would like people to enjoy it. I'd like people to go take a second look at it, but more importantly than that, more importantly than even the story. Um, I think during this time right now, the specific time that we're living in, uh, it's a really good chance for you to support local business, uh, creative people, um, small press books, the indie comics that are really the underlying backbone of the comic industry. You know, uh, there's way more indie publishers than there are big two publishers. Right. And yet they're the ones that are struggling day to day. Um, there's mega stores out there that are going to be fine, but there's mom and pop shops that are not. And, you know, if you're intrigued at all by what we've talked about today, you have an opportunity to like go over to a website and just for a couple of bucks, I mean, literally it's 30% off right now. I mean, it's a, for a 64 page, nice graphic novel. I mean, it's got a pretty low six ninety nine price point anyway. Now it's like, you know, four and change. Um, you do that. And not only do you support creators and small press publishers, but you have an opportunity to support your local retailer and probably get something that you're going to find pretty entertaining, if not really thought provoking at the same time. And this is perfect time because everyone got those lovely stimulus checks. So you can go <laughs> there you go. Money there you go. You know, 
Oh, buy yeah. some comics. Well, can I tell before I forget? Can I can I tell you one other thing? Because I mean, we're talking about like we're, we're doing this very um, this very highbrow uh, artistic bent on on the integrity of of writing and art, and I am one hundred percent behind that. But for my for my hardcore collectors out there. Right. For my people who love to uh, to bag and board for my people who love to slab. Um, I got the thrill of a lifetime when Parallel was given its very own uh, variant exclusive cover as well. Uh, So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. uh, Sanctum Sanctorum Comics and Oddities, uh, mm-hmm. which is like a, a yep a well-renowned international seller, kind of based um, their home base is here in Michigan, where I am as well. Uh, a limited uh, uh, edition, only a hundred copies, um, a Les Garner variant, which is just gorgeous. And all you got to do is go over to, uh, to to Sanctum's website, and those are there, and they're they're not gone yet, but it's going to be close. Like they always sell out. But like, I mean, because as a collector, I don't know about you guys, but I am. I've got this weird um, jack of all trades thing going on, where uh, you know my shelves are all the artists and writers that I love, right, and all their trades. Oh, nice. I'm going to. I don't care what company you're from. I'm going to follow. Mignola, wherever he goes, I'm going to follow Jeff Lemire wherever he goes. Right, I'm going to follow Neil Gaiman wherever he goes. Um, <laughs> so is my wife. And and yet and yet my long boxes have uh, some key issues in them. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so like the fact that not only did I get to make a comic, but like they made a variant. They made a exclusive, they made a limited edition and people are going to like slab it and go, Oh, as soon as it sells out, I'm going to go sell it on eBay for five times that I bought it. Like, I mean, on one hand, the purest to me is like, that's ridiculous. On the other hand, the question <laughs> to me is like, that is the coolest thing I have ever heard. So, um, Absolutely. you want to, you want, you want a limited edition variant of parallel. If you like parallel, head over to Sanctum's website, sanctumsanctorum.com and, and you can order one of those there too. Nice. Yeah. Right, so, we'll include that. You, you're obviously a, a comic book fan um, uh-huh. for a while. Who yeah. was the character you followed most, or what series? Well, I had, I did that, I did that. God, it's it's a cliche, isn't it? I did that thing where I read when I was young, and then I walked away like mid teenage years for like nine years, and didn't come back until like my mid late twenties. Like I did, that, I did that break. Oh, check this out. So only two, only two books followed me. I mean, I left it all behind. Okay. Two things followed me through that nine-year hiatus. Uh-huh. Neil Gaiman, Sandman. Yep. And Mouse by Art Spiegelman. Okay. Oh, that's great. And those I, are the only two that yeah. followed me through. Now, the first stage, um, I heard you mention Valiant. And yes, I yes. mean, I start like, like I, my first, I had a couple Spideys. I had a couple Batmans uh, when I was really young. And I think like an issue of G.I. Joe. Uh, there are like okay. these three packs that you could get at like uh, like Kmart or Meyer or something like that, and and I had a, a stack of comics when I was, you know, formative, really young age. But when I first started collecting and reading, it was like the age of Marvel's um, enhanced covers thing. It was like every every twenty fifth Wolverine issue was die cut or embossed, and you know that kind of thing. I have like the and shiny covers. Yeah, 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 yeah. I loved all that, and that's when Image started. And I loved all that, but my jam became Valiant. Mm-hmm. Even though the art wasn't flashy, it was like the anti. It was like the <laughs> anti-image at the time. Yeah, and the much. art wasn't as flashy, <laughs> and the storytelling was a bit more realistic. And I ate it up, and that became my first universe. Right, like I set aside lawn mowing money and babysitting money, and I rode my bike up to my local shop every week. And my pull, you know, they put in my little brown bag was uh every valiant title and valiant's art style it. yeah valiant's art style was it was unique at the time it, it always reminded me of like aeon flux for whatever reason from like uh-huh. when mtv <laughs> used to run those cartoons and everything and that's what their art style always reminded me of but it was just it was awesome and yeah the neil gaiman his sandman run 
my wife is a giant fan of Neil Gaiman. Goes to him every time he talks, whether it's in Jersey or New York. Yep, uh, me too. <laughs> and it's great. I, I, you can see in his in that book series where DC was kind of pushing him to include other superheroes like Batman, Superman show up. And then after that, he's like, no, I'm doing this my way. We're not. Well, that, that first know. arc, I mean, he even admitted that first arc of Salmon, that first trade, the first seven issues was issue eights when death comes in and then it, yeah. it really takes off. But those first six, seven issues, um, like Martian Manhunter was on in there. Yeah. Obviously John Constantine's in there. Um, and, and he even admits it. It's literally the A to B to C quest storytelling. And then once that was okay, and once they made it past that first arc, almost that first year, he was given a lot more artistic freedom to kind of turn it into that amazing book it was. I remember I used to tell, I didn't, I mean, I wasn't a, a, like an insane teacher who told my fourth graders about Sandman, please. <laughs> it was Vertigo, it was an adult title. But I did tell them because Coraline had come out. Mm. And uh, some of the uh, like uh, uh, wolves in the walls, and how I uh, swapped my dad for two goldfish, which is stuff that I did read to them. In fact, um, one of the biggest end of the year treats for my fourth graders every year is we would listen to Coraline on CD, read by Neil by candlelight in the room, so it was all creepy, and they loved it. Um, told him about that at a reading once, and uh, he signed a bunch of stuff for my kids. My kids wrote him letters. It was great. He's amazing, oh, but. Awesome. Um, I think one of my favorite things I used to tell him as we were writing is like, here's this guy who uh, I think it's in, it's not in the wake. It's in world's end. One of the, the third to last trader fourth. Yep. Last, anyway, um, where he does this thing. And I, I'm still, I still to this day marvel at how he did it. He literally went like three deep story wise, right? It's, it's a story where characters in the story are telling a story and then even goes a third level deep. And those characters are telling another story and never once do you lose the thread. Like that could be so convoluted as to just be a, like just a bunch of mush. And Neil is, was so deaf. And this is now, you know, decades ago when he was probably yeah. still in his twenties, I don't even know how he did it, but I've always been amazed <laughs> at, at, at his storytelling. He was incredible. In fact, he's, he's one of the guys like, like, so now I'm so far on the other side of, of this thing where I've got, you know, a few people have reached out to me like on Instagram and stuff where somebody who's, who's, you know, younger than me and a couple steps behind me in the creative process is like, so, so like, how do you, like the, you know, the famous question, like, how do you, um, yeah. you know, what do I do? Right. Like you always ask your, the people that you look up to or whatever. Um, and I always cite Neil, uh, because Neil just says, you just, the, the way you write is you write. And it doesn't have to be good. It doesn't have to be great. But if you don't write, what he guarantees is you won't have written anything. So, like, that first step is the most important. Like, the way you write a novel is you go and write a novel. And I know it almost sounds trite, but he's right. Like, the way I wrote a comic was, well, I'm going to start doing it today. Um, because I was, that's how you do it. Because if you don't, it doesn't exist. Yeah. Oh, there you go, kids. Want to write a comic? <laughs> Go right. <laughs> I mean, get a pen and paper, but then go right. So, with with parallel, did you ever thought of making it a novel, or it was always going to be um, in graphic form? I think so because, <clears throat> like, like the love was always comics, right? Mm. The dream was always comics. Um, plays, which is w where I got where I like got my chops and, and honed any craft that I, that I could possibly have. Right. That's probably giving myself too much credit, but, um, that kind of came not as an accident, but kind of sideways at me. Uh, I could very see, I could very easily see me, even though I dabbled a little bit in high school and I wrote a skit for this class or that class, I could see this have never been something that I pursued. But, um, when, when I formed these drama clubs at elementary school and middle school where I was teaching and we had no budget, which meant I couldn't go buy a play or, or buy a skit, right? Cause they're not super cheap, especially if it's well-known. I was like, well, I guess I need to write those. And so I did. And then I got okay at it or fairly successful at it and got a couple of those published. And it was like, okay, well, if I can do this, and the dream has always been comics, like the, you know, the passion has always been there. I, I guess this is time. So this kind of like this kind of situational thing that wasn't part of the plan was actually what led to the dream being fulfilled and allowing me to, to, to be here today.
Yeah, sorry. I just thought of that as as uh, you were talking about like uh, uh, Neil Gaiman and and the comics and everything else. Uh, knew you were a big fan, obviously, from this conversation. Just curious if it was always meant to be that way. I don't know. Just pop. Well, my here, here's the <laughs> other thing I'll say. Here's the other thing I'll say, and and something I've always been. So I've always been a big defender of comics, and I used to like comics in the classroom right now is actually kind of like a, a pretty positive buzzword in education, but it wasn't mm-hmm. always like that. Obviously, I mean, you go back to the 50s and we were burning comics. You would go back even <laughs> yeah. to the early 2000s and it was still had that stigma attached to it. And I remember um, the first parent email I wrote, God, this is almost like 15, 16 years ago, where I got to cite, I think it was a University of North Carolina study so this is early 2000s and they they brought a bunch of kids in and the uh, I'm going to get this wrong. So I'm going to call it I'm going to use very layman terms. I'm going to say the, the, the brainwave machine. I don't remember if that's EKG or whatever, but the one that shows the brain activities in different parts. And what they found was is kids reading prose, kids reading your standard novel like a Harry Potter. It mm-hmm. activated certain parts of the brain. And all in a very positive way and really fired it up if the kids were engaged. But if you put graphic storytelling in front of them, if you put like a a bone trade paperback by Jeff Smith in front of them, um, two different parts of the brain's brain lit up. And the brain was actually doing almost twice as much work because it was following the written narrative and the graphic narrative with different parts of the brain. And it was literally working harder. And I was like, look at this. And and like as it's kind of gotten more and more respect in the classroom, I've always been a big proponent of that. I'm also a big proponent of, of comics in general and and always will defend them because it is, in my opinion, probably the most malleable and elastic medium for storytelling. Right. There are things you can do in comics. It has it has the visual thing that movies can do. It has the 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 text based thing that prose can do, but it can do things in combination that neither of them can do on their own. Right. You, you, you can you can hold a moment in a way that you can't in a film. You can say you can show something without saying it in a way you can't do in a novel. It is, I think it's the most elastic storytelling device we have out there. And thus, you can tell any kind of story. Yes, we are in a superhero culture. Yes, I love that superhero culture. But uh, it, it, it's not limited to that, right? It's any time, kind of story you want to tell, including like a, 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 a head trip, a dark, dark, dark story like Parallel too, right? And that's good because it's not like you said it's not tied down to one thing and uh, oddly enough i mean you know speaking of superhero culture you know we see all these movies coming out and as much as i thoroughly enjoy them uh it's also good because i think it's gotten more people to really go back to comics uh whether that's digital through like uh, you know comicsology or going to your local comic shop uh, it, it's just that, in my opinion, is perfect. Like uh, our local comic book store, uh, the Geekery, that wasn't there two or three years ago, you know. And I, I kind of feel like if there wasn't this resurgence of these Marvel movies and some DC movies, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, these store, you know, that store might not have come up, or it might not have thrived the way it's been thriving. Uh, so you know. As many people will complain that it is oversaturated, the comic book market, as far as these movies go, uh, I think it's kind of some good has come out of it as far as comics being produced and more people getting into it. I, I 100% agree. Like, like whatever problem you have with the, the big corporate context of it, mm-hmm. like if that stuff isn't bringing it to light, as soon as that shop exists because – the Marvel Cinematic Universe is a juggernaut. Um, you now have an opportunity you didn't have before to show somebody this really cool thing with a small print run that blew your mind. How are you getting that to somebody otherwise? It, it, it's, yeah. it's great. It, it's like it's the, the the rising tide kind of analogy. I, I, I believe it. it. It gets you into the store. And then yeah. as soon as you're into that store, 
you start looking at other comics. You may have gone for that one particular comic, but there's no denying that all the other, all these other comics are in your face, and you're going to be curious. You're going to start to pick them up, and you're going to look at them, and you're going to read something or pick something up that you have never seen before. Well, uh, even the collect, even the collector's market, right? Like, mm-hmm. like the, the that kind of thing. Like, l- let's say somebody goes and buys the, the variant of Parallel and is brave enough to actually open it up. Like, what if that's the one where they go, oh. This is really good. Like I just got this as cause 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 it's it's a hot book on a website or something like that. And like I'm all for that. But like what if that's was it what if that's their entry into great storytelling? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't care I don't care how you get there as long as you get there, right? Exactly. Uh, recently one of the comic book movies came out, uh Bloodshot. And yeah, you know, movie was alright, but you know, it got me back into reading Bloodshot. Because I haven't read it in ages. And then, you know, it, it was just, it was good to go back and be like, watch the movie and be like, ah, you know, that kind of kickstarted my interest a little bit. Now I want to go read some Bloodshot comics. So I picked some up, read through them, and, you know, forgot it was actually a pretty solid comic when it came out. And some of the runs that came out, it was great. So, yeah, there's definitely positives to it. All right. Um, so, where can everybody find you? Well, um, so you can find me. I would love for people to come and follow me and take a look at some of uh, the art and the preview art and the opportunities to pick up parallel. Uh, come and check me out on Instagram. Okay. It's really easy. It's just uh, J Douglas writes. Okay. So you just type that in, you find me, uh, give me a follow, uh, drop me a message. Um, that's really the only social media that I do. That's where I promote the book. And Oh my, because I'm such a nerd, I can't resist every once in a while posting stuff from the personal collection on there. So like, I just, so like, it's funny. I see that quite a bit and I thoroughly enjoy it. (laughs) You're like looking and like, there's this, you know, Oh, you know, one week I post the variant cover, right? And it's like, Oh my God, it's gorgeous. It's great. And it's, I'm clearly promoting it or, or I put there's a link in my bio, right? There's a link in my bio where you can go directly to the, to the sanctum. Um, uh, variant. There's a, a link in my bio to, to source point where you can get the book for 30% off right now. Great. And then the very next post is guess what guys, I just finished my new mutants run. Take a look. <laughs> and, and, you know, and like the, the, the hundred issues are right there with the summer special. And so, you know, I, I, I oscillate a little bit between those two, but mostly it's, it's a great place to, to reach out to me and, and say, Hey, how can I get the book? Or, I answer questions. I write back to everybody and could always use the support. And then I post, you know, source point stuff too. Um, For example, I got to tell you this before we go, knowing that this is going to post pretty soon. So we talked about like the retailer incentive and what they're doing for small businesses. Check this out. Free comic book day this year. I know a lot of people are bummed that it is postponed. Who knows if it's going to canceled, whatever. Uh, Next week is free comic book week at source point from Monday to Monday. So from the 27th to the fourth, um, you head over there and not only if you find something you like, like parallel, you get a 30% off. They're going to have a bunch of books up there for free, just like you are walking into your local shop on free okay. comic book day. And they're going to send it to you and you get your free comics from source point. Um, because I mean, like I said, this tight knit community and this up and comer company is looking to keep our, this beloved industry of ours, you know, kicking and, and, and fighting through this. Can we see comics like, uh, Nora and seance room? Oh yeah. That's all yeah. there awesome. right now. Like the, uh, you know, K- Casey, my mentor and friend, like, uh, you know, uh, the news, uh, Nora volume two is soliciting right now, but like, uh, volume one, um, the trade is there. Uh, hope is there for the younger kids. Um, mm-hmm. yep. So it's, it's all, Go find everything right now. It's thirty percent off. That's through the end of the month, and the free comic book week is next week. And that retailer incentive is going to keep going. So you just shout out your local retailer at the end, and they're going to get actually some financial relief um, from SourcePoint. That's and awesome. Is there any place uh, anybody can find you? I know comic cons or any type of cons are pretty much canceled. Yeah. So, so like, I mean, that's the big thing right now. I mean, that, that, that honestly, that was the last piece of the experience, right? That that. I'm missing out on right now. So like I, uh, my first 
my first con was going to be Motor City Comic Con this year. Then I was off to uh, to Traverse City the weekend after that. Um, there were a couple this summer. I was going to be at the Detroit Book Fair later in the summer. Um, I had all these signings lined up, right? We had the release day signing. I had a free comic book day signing. Um, we had a pre-release signing with, with the variant. And obviously all that is kind of in limbo right now. So, like, as far as immediate impact on like me pursuing that dream, that's really the last piece. Right. Yeah. I mean, that was that, that, that last thing where I get to now be on the other side of the table and be like, you know, Oh yes. Hello. Here's your signature and, and shaking hands and, and like all that stuff. It was just, I mean, the timing was, was, was crazy. Cause it was, you know, an April 29th release and then boom. And it's right in the middle of this. So, I mean, that is that last piece. I mean, if I'm going to play the silver lining game, um, it means that I get to delay the gratification, I guess, a little bit longer. And this this beautiful, now long process gets to be a little bit longer for me. And I've got this, you know, it's awesome to talk to you guys and it's awesome to keep pushing the book, but I've got this other piece that hopefully I'm going to still get to look forward to. Like I still get to have my first con um, a- as a creator it is still now in the future. So yeah. that, that's kind of cool. I'm going to look at it that way. Well, yeah. Hopefully uh, New York Comic Con is happening. Um, you know, uh, my wife and I go there every year. Uh, sometimes Joe, you know, goes with us as well. Hopefully we can catch her there. That'd be awesome. If not there, hopefully you'll make it to one of the other lesser cons here in New Jersey. We visit them pretty much all of them. Um, I'd love to. It's, it was definitely a pleasure of having you on, man. Um, uh, I look forward to, do you have any other projects you're working on currently? Cause I'd love to yeah, see I've, more from you. I've, I've, I'm actually, uh, I've actually got something else that that's in the works right now. I mean, again, that's another thing about the situation right now. This is not necessarily the time you, uh, that you're putting a new project together, but like it already exists. I've got, a uh, it's, it, it'll be got a tentative title called uh jane american it's kind of loosely based on um parts of my grandmother's my late grandmother's life story it's a post-world war ii story superhero low-level power influence um kind of a a, a post-world war ii in the wake of rosie the riveter um girl empowerment thing that is very much inspired by um the young people who come through my classroom right now and some of the minority struggles that they still struggle with even in the 21st century amplify that with being very other because you've got enhanced strength and speed and being very much other because you're a young lady in 1946 where they've decided that even though you and the generation before you kicked butt and helped us win the war we don't have a place for you now get back in the kitchen um it's kind of cool. I'm really excited about it because not only for the, the ability to tell my first superhero story, um, even though, you know, superpowers aren't really in the world, it, it's very new. Um, I got to do some really, really fantastic research. So I found this, this factory uh, in the town that I grew up that I found out through records that were uh, downtown at the Historical Society that my great-grandfather worked in this factory during World War II making these things called Marsden mats, which are, you've seen them in pictures. So like in World War II, when the, uh, when the Army Air Corps, because it was before Air Force, had to make a temporary runway in Europe or in, um, in the Pacific Theater, they had these, these metal, these like uh, two foot by 15 foot uh, metal serrated um, uh, things that they made and they laid them down and made these temporary runways wherever they needed them. Like my great grandfather made those in a factory and this factory in Plymouth that manufactured it used to be a wire, you know, it's like that whole just transferring, you know, GM started making B-17s right down the road from them. And this little wire factory in Plymouth, Michigan started making these Marsden mats. And it was actually one of the only two factories that held on to that contract for a couple of years after the war because they were still because the berlin airlift was still coming and so like um i got to go in there literally check this out guys um one week before they divided it up because somebody had just bought it and divided it up and all that history and all the original fixtures and stuff like that and the machines would have been gone forever and i got to get, get in there and get video and uh and take pictures and get a tour before they kind of tore it down and that's like one of the main settings for this story nice. that's that's awesome i'm actually looking at a the marston math right now I, I, yeah there you go yeah i'm Yep, I've definitely seen those. Those look familiar now. That's awesome. That's really cool. 
cool. Yeah, man. Like you said, it was definitely a, a pleasure having you on, and you're more than welcome to come back and promote anything or just come on and chat with Justin and myself anytime you I want. I loved it. I loved yeah. it. This was a lot of fun. Uh, you guys are, are fantastic hosts, and uh, it was really an honor for you guys to have me on. I truly, truly appreciate it. Uh, the, it's, it's our pleasure. Like I said, very enjoyable. It was great to have you on. And um, is there anything else you'd like to say before we go? Yeah, I mean, just I mean, I give the book a chance, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, support uh, support our first time creator. Uh, go order parallel at uh, sourcepointpress.com. Thirty percent off right now. They'll send it right to your door. You got a nice, dark, creepy read that is fun, but it'll make you think. And uh, you get to support local business at the same time. And then come and check me out at uh, J Douglas Writes on uh, Instagram and say hi. I'd I'd, I'd love to love to, to to see you guys and. and chat all right that'll do it for this episode out all right later